0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today, joined by a front two of Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we <laughs> chew the fat of all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Front twos, I mean... That'd be a, that'd well, be a big front two, that. Will we ever two, see that. a classic front two again?
1: So going off on a tangent here. I, think, I think we'd be... A, the classic big man, little man. I was going to You'd say, be clearly clearly I'd, be this, I'd be
2: the stationary centre-forward, not yeah, in the malls and, and on for in the, behind. the nippy inside-forward. <laughs> <laughs> Do
1: you think Silver
0: <laughs> would play a front two?
1: Oh. Um, you could argue he technically does. I think Sigurdsson tries to stick to Calvert-Lewin as much as he possibly can, especially when they're out of the ball. He very rarely yeah. gets inside the penalty area, though, <laughs> does he? Well, so. probably should have scored against Arsenal, yeah. that one that Richarlison pulled back sure. for him. But I think, especially off the ball, like Sigurdsson's teams seem to set up in like a four-four-two sort of yeah. sort of bank with Sigurdsson coming up alongside Calvert Lewin. So I don't know, like maybe if we were in the few years in the future to see Sigurdsson drop out the side, then maybe we'd maybe we'd see that come in. Maybe we'll see it next season if Sigurdsson's rested. But neither of us are getting the nod. you so <laughs> it's just yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyway, we digress Their Technical discussion for another time. Uh, today's podcast, we will be feasting on the relegation carcass at Fulham after they've been relegated to the Championship uh, with five games to go. We discuss and debate if there's any players worth trying to cherry-pick from Craven Cottage. Uh, Silver is a Remainer. He's pro-Europe yesterday. He described how the club need to be in Europe every season and take the opportunity, and it is a massive part of taking the club forward. So I'll get the lad's feelings on Marco's uh, declaration yesterday. And, you know, the strongest sign of success may come next uh, uh, the weekend. A uh, victory at Craven Cottage... Will take Everton onto 49 points, which of course is the same number of points that the club managed last season, but an impro- improved goals return and what looks like a better defensive record looks like signs for silver to say this season has been an improvement on the last one. Um, Preno, which of the Fulham players in this relegated squad of theirs would you think is worth looking at?
2: I'm not sure there are all that many, to be honest. Um, relegated clubs has been quite a, a, a rich seam of players for Liverpool in recent <clears throat> seasons. You know, they've uh, successfully brought Shaqiri in uh, when Stoke went down. Uh, Andy Robertson was a spectacularly good capture from Hull. But, you know, those kind of successes are few and far between. Uh those clubs have been relegated for a reason, you know, because, you know, they're, they're not good enough uh, for the Premier League. And Fulham did spend quite heavily for a promoted club uh, at the start of the season. £100 million, pounds, yeah. Absolutely. More um, than us. Yeah, uh, clearly it wasn't very wisely spent. Um, Ryan Sessegnon's the one that everybody will automatically say because, you know, he's a guy that's caught the eye for a long time and does have quality. Thankfully, he didn't have that quality at Goodison Park when he rattled the crossbar from about eight yards when he should have mm. put Fulham ahead at Goodison Park earlier in the season. Uh, but clearly, that's a position that Everton don't need strengthening. Uh, Lucas Dean has been excellent, you know. So in the left, Leighton Baines, you know, still may or may not have forward. Uh, he's been playing, Everson Everson he's he's been playing season, further forward, but again, you know, Bernard is like our mm. golden boy at the moment. So
0: long term, though, you know, with with the being totally realistic, you know, there is a distinct possibility that. Should we not progress as as he maybe would want in his career? Luca Dean would be, you know, lined up by the big boy, so to speak. So saying, in mm. alternative reality, in eighteen months' time, we have to sell him. Yeah, he still wouldn't be the club. Possibly, you know, he he would be uh, pushing on. You know, Ryan Sessignon, is it still as a teenager. You know, is he possibly buy yeah in the
2: future? He, he fits the age model, doesn't he? That Marcel Brands has talked about. Uh, you know, he would have. You know. Value, you know, so going forward financially as, as well as quality, and yeah, I like him as a player. You know, he looks, uh, he looks the part. I'm just not so sure that's a priority at the moment. I think there are other areas that yeah, the club needs to invest in. I mean, uh, it's not a squad that's absolutely listed with talent. I mean, Mitrovic, you know, centre forward is is useful. You know, he puts himself about. You know, but again is he good long term I'm, I'm not so sure he is
0: Is he ticking the box of Marcos striker wish list that he, he revealed to us the other week you know does he do enough of those things
2: no he doesn't um, you know so Calvert-Lewin automatically looks you know so sort of more mobile more athletic you know so uh, offers more potential I think Mitrovic is a bit more in the Cengtosin mould I would say that kind of striker Um I don't really see that much to answer the question, you know. So Cessonjon is possibly worth looking at, but I'd like to think that Marcel Brands and Marco Silva have other targets around Europe that are possibly even more exciting, you know, so more of a long term option than that.
0: mean mm. you, you have got so many different that you think that would be worth uh, potentially pursuing.
1: Mm, yeah, I do. I do agree with Preno on uh, Cessonjon. I think he's the one who instantly stands out. But uh, the one I'm thinking of, like, it's probably not based on his form this season because I don't think he's pulled up many trees in particular this season but John Setty mm-hmm. who like it was a real surprise that he even went to Fulham it last see, it summer it
0: seemed a coup considering the clubs that were being linked well he him only had the likes of
1: Liverpool and Chelsea were quite Manchester regularly in li- Barcelona exactly so, so regularly linked with him because of how well he was performing at Nice and I think his performances there have shown me that he can do a really good job in that centre midfield position hopefully like hopefully a season in the Premier League in, in general will do him quite good. Like he'll, he'll have up a little bit, a bit more physical uh, now, but I think he could easily fill a role in that central midfield for Everton, especially when we've got questions over the future of a, just a guy, you know, getting linked to Man United now, which is a bit of a strange one. But, you know, if, if Everton do need to search for a replacement for Guy, then, you know, Seri could surely be an option. He'd be a bit cheaper now that Fulham have gone down and pre- presumably he's got some sort of relegation clause in his contract. So he'll be on the move this summer. So he's worth a look.
0: No greater show of faith in your new club than inserting a relegation clause in <laughs> the contract. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, you, just, let's just pick up on Guy, actually. It wasn't on the on the agenda, but you, you, you rightly bring it up, Ad. Can you see him? Can you see Manchester United wanting Guy? Are you concerned by that? Do you think... Do you think we're going to be able to keep him if if that's if that's the club's intention? Of course.
1: Uh, well, firstly, I can, I can see them wanting him. Like I, I wouldn't see why any of the top clubs in the Premier League or like in world football wouldn't want a player like Idrissa a Guy. That's like the current form, exactly over the last few over the last few years, he's proven to be an incredible player in that defensive midfield position. You know, he come come to Everton. You know, just there. Uh, just after N'Golo Kante had made that position quite famous for Leicester in their title winning campaign. But I think it's just the guy has gone on to make that position his own and he's arguably in the best form of his Everton career at the minute. I think he's doing much more with the ball at his feet than I've ever seen him do for Everton. I think playing alongside someone like Andre Gomez has really helped him in that respect. So with the way football is at the minute, it's a very short-term game, I think his age doesn't really factor into it for me. Like if, if I'm Man United, I'm looking at a 29-year-old uh, midfielder who's at the at his peak. You're thinking, right, we need short term. We need to be challenging for the title next couple of seasons. Is this a Guy is a man who can mm. help Manchester United do that. Whether we can keep him or not is is another question. It depends if the right, if the right offer comes in comes for him. It comes down to
0: brass tacks, exactly. not
1: it? Exactly, exactly. Uh, Man United would need to offer a whole lot more than PSG offered in January because yes. PSG's offer was nowhere near good enough in my opinion. And
0: derisory, he's <laughs> saying say yeah. this business, don't we?
1: And uh, Man United are at the end of the day a Premier League rival. Like Everton should be looking at Manchester United, especially in the position they've been over the last year or so. And they should be have ambitions to go. Yeah, we can we can catch them over the next couple of seasons. Why not? So. To sell to sell to Manchester United would take a lot of money, in my opinion. I'd, I'd be saying 40, 45 million, easy. Because it's going to cost a lot of money to try and get a replacement and who's going to be able to play as well as him. Yeah, right, right, we, we, go uh, on, I was going to
0: uh, say, we started this conversation about signing players from relegated
2: clubs. Guy is that. Yeah. He came to us from Villa. Absolutely, yeah. And he was... Uh, His form now is as good as it was in his first, you know, so two or three months of his in career when he absolutely blew us all away and had everyone talking about, you know, what a bargain signing he would be. Um, We endorse what Adam said there, we should be looking to, you know, so target Manchester United, who currently was at sixth in the Premier League, but Equally, they are targeting Liverpool and Manchester City. Me and Ali Gunnersalukshaw gave a press conference this morning, where he talked about uh, City and Liverpool being, you know, so far ahead of where they would like you know, to be at the moment, and therefore ruthless decisions will need to be taken this summer. And whether that ruthless decision would mean, you know, so sort of shedding some of you know their midfield talent and bringing in like a guy. I'm not so sure. I, I think they'll be looking, you know, so sort of even bigger and better than that. And you know, t- I'm not trying to damn guy with faint praise here because I do think he has been absolutely outstanding since his deal went sour mm-hmm. in January. Attitude, absolutely mm-hmm. top class. But there are probably, you know, so sort of even better, you know, more rounded, you know, so sort of talents out there. And I just took that ruthlessness to suggest, you know, so sort of other areas of the the United setup, notably up front, you know. Um, Lukaku is one I've mentioned there many, many times, you know. So is he really good enough for a team that wants to be, you know, so playing for the Premier League title, which says he do. And, you know, so I'm not sure maybe he is, you know, so I think maybe he could have been hinting at that area. Who knows? Uh, bottom line is the guy probably will be, you know, so attracting Offers in the uh, in the summer and whether Everton have you know other irons in the fire lined up. we will have to wait and see. I
0: don't know if you recall, a corporate and when we did an Adam, you were uh, there, of course. When we did the Royal Blue Live event um, in February, uh, uh, a gentleman in the audience asked, I think, I think Ifield did the question about signing players from relegated clubs and 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 saying, you know, are you and you're concerned about their mentality? And we spoke about Pickford. He yeah. came from a relegated club. Guy came from a relegated relegated club. Zuma went down last season uh, with Stoke mm-hmm. have you got any issues I mean I my argument was well, actually if you look at Pickford he's good enough Zuma's won stuff you know blah blah yeah. blah, blah what's your feeling on, on
2: Nah, not whatsoever I mean Phil Jagielka came from Sheffield United when they were relegated um It depends on the individual, I think, and the size of the football club they have come from. Mm. I don't think it matters as to, you know, where they have been in the Premier League, you know, setup. I'm just thinking the scale of club can make such a difference to players that come in. I've heard it so many times from players that not realising how big a football club is, so how big a football club Everton is and, uh, you know, the expectation that the fans place upon them, you know, 40,000 sellouts every single week, uh, the demands, you know, the, the the exposure. Because the so-called top four, you know, your, your Arsenal, City, Man United, Liverpool, seem to attract such a Sky TV focus or BT Sport focus, bigger clubs outside that uh, little band tend to, not get quite the same you know, sort of spotlight as they should be getting, but that doesn't lessen their size of a football club. And a player that comes in can be caught unawares and think, wow, you know, I wasn't expecting quite this level of scrutiny. I wasn't expecting this to be quite so pressurised. I think that has the biggest issue. And it all, it's all down to the player's mentality then, whether they can handle that you know, that, that scale of football club. Jordan Pickford has proved that he can. You know, Garner Gay has proved that he can. <laughs> Um, You know, Pickford. We've talked many times about the issues with his mentality, and clearly there's still work to be done. But you know, confidence isn't something he lacks. He can handle it. Um, So it, it depends on the club that you're buying these players from. You know, a Fulham, who we mentioned before, was a fellow who's, you know, sort of being playing at one of London's, you know, sort of less celebrated clubs. Genteel. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, be taken by surprise by the, uh, the focus that would place them if he came to Everton. I suspect he would be. Mm. So that's got to be something that's taken into account when you're targeting and you're scouting players like that.
0: Last, last sort of transaction between the club, top of my head, would be Heisinger going from Goodison to Fulham. Can you think of any others?
2: Oh, wow. Um, Ronnie Goodless went to Fulham all those yeah. years ago. Think Thomas, recent, Thomas Radzinski.
0: Yeah, so no more recent than Heitinger. So maybe nah. the indication of, of of what Prenner was saying, nah. Adam, in terms of making the leap from Fulham to Everton rather than the other direction, could potentially be too much for the majority of players. So coming back to what we were talking about, mm. does you know, would the football club say we were interested in Sessingon? Would that be something they'd have to think about?
1: I, I think it's something that they've absolutely got to think about, and it it does come down to like the scouting of players, as Prenos said. I think probably one of the only one of the only success stories that Steve Walsh really had at his time at Everton was Address a guy mm-hmm. and how well how well he was scouted because, you know, it it it's not easy for any player to get relegated from the Premier League and you've got to it was good that Steve Walsh identified Guy's, you know, statistics as standout. Like he is he is different from everybody at at Aston Villa at that time and there's so many factors that can link to a club getting relegated it's never just down to one player and there's always going to be players who are different and who break the mould so there will be players in that Fulham squad who are going to be different and they do break the mould and I think Ryan Sessignon could potentially be one of them you know he's played for England's youth teams all the way through his career he's about
0: the 21s isn't he
1: exactly so he's had you know, he was linked to the likes of Liverpool and Spurs in the summer as well before he signed a new contract mm. with Fulham. So, you know, I think he's used to having that sort of increased amount of pressure on him as a lot of young English talents are these days. You know, we're seeing the likes of Hudson-Odoi and Jadon Sancho ripping it up for the senior team now. You know, it, it it's starting to be younger and younger that these players have this increased amount of pressure on them. I think Calvert-Lewin's now starting to thrive with that amount of pressure on him. So... Cessanyon, I think, in particular would would be able to make that step up. But I think Breno's right, there are there are a lot of there are a lot of factors that play into this, and I think the size the size difference between Fulham and Everton is a bit of a chasm, really, and a lot of players won't realise that. The
0: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Interesting. So we uh, will get a first-hand view and look at some of those players anyway tomorrow at Craven Cottage. Uh, moving on, Michael Silva is adamant that Everton should be in Europe every season. He says it's important that European football is at Goodison in order to develop the team and push the players forward. Preno. Uh, you're, you will be fully in agreement with the manager's sentiment, I imagine.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's like referencing the old Mandy Rice-Davis comments, isn't it? You would expect him to say that, or he would say that, wouldn't he? But equally, I, I totally agree. You know, so a club of Everton's stature, we've just been talking about size of football clubs, can't be saying, oh, no, no, you know, so <clears> it, <throat> it's a demand that we can't handle for one year. We need to be out of Europe to allow the manager to, you know, sort of, get his philosophy across a little bit more effectively absolute nonsense you know so Everton should be in Europe you know they should be targeting Europe look at Arsenal you know so absolutely bouncing last night having beaten Napoli you know look at Chelsea you know so flying you know where Slavia Prague you know they're clubs that take you know the Europa League seriously as you should and uh, as should Everson um, again it reflects on the size of the club sometimes your attitude to Europe uh, I'm thinking of uh, a former Everton manager of this parish and the um, you know the the team selections he sent out when Bolton Wanderers you know so sort I of got into Europe and effectively basically you know gave up well, that's, on that's the it's
0: to Jack Pran, it's really interesting I was I was going to ask you do you think nationality of the manager has an impact on their viewpoint of, of Europa League because privately before Marco had made this declaration um, at the press conference yesterday, of the other week, he'd, he'd said pretty much the same to me that, you know, he said that the Europa League is vital. We need to be in it. We need to be in Europe, blah, blah, blah. And obviously said it publicly yesterday. Kuman wanted to be in Europe regardless. Silva wants to be in Europe But Allardyce had said to me during the final sort of few weeks of his reign, nah, we can't do, we can do without it next season. Too much of a hassle, we need a season without it. Do you think in England and English coaches maybe, we've got this negative view of Europa League and actually we think, oh, I can't be doing with that. Whereas on the continent... Everybody's thinking, this is a massive opportunity. You've got to be in it.
2: One hundred percent, and it's not just coaches; it's uh, it's supporters sometimes as well. Um, you know, Unai Emery made his reputation uh, at Sevilla as being you know sort of a Europa League specialist, a European specialist. You know, he, he coached them to two successive finals and got his job at Arsenal as a result. It's a big deal. I mean, the UEFA Cup was always a massive deal in this country. Yeah. Winning that was arguably more difficult than the uh, the, the European Cup back in the day because of the. The increased competition in the days when the European Cup was only champions of each particular country, it was seen as a huge trophy. And you UEFA got it wrong with the, the, the reorganisation of the competition—you know, calling it the Europa League. Uh, you know, with the Champions League being the more celebrated competition, it became a secondary competition, certainly in this country. And then, you know, the Thursday night, the you know uh, scheduling, the messing around with the fixtures. Uh, the fact that, you know, so ITV4 was screening it rather than, you know, so Sky RBT, everything just contributes to being seen as a lesser competition amongst the supporters and amongst some clubs, but not managers because, you know, it's a trophy and and they realize, you know, so how prestigious it is in Spain, in Italy, in, in France, uh, it's strange that you know so we don't seem to have embraced it quite the same way in this country and i'm pleased that marco silver is treating it as seriously as he should do because you know getting everson into Euro- european competition gets your name out it gets your club known throughout europe even more so you become more and more accepted as one of the bigger boys, if you like, in Europe. And, you know, the sooner Everton are back in European competition, the better. The, the club develops as a result. Of course, it's tough. Of course, it places massive demands on the squad. But that's what, you know, So big clubs do. They actually handle those, uh, those problems and overcome them and become bigger and stronger as a result.
0: How do, you, do you therefore, do you agree that we have to next time hopefully we'll we, we will qualify this season and then head into the summer in in the Europa League D- do you think we have to get past the idea therefore that it could have you know at certain periods a detrimental effect on the league form and do we have to accept that you know there will be seasons in Europe when it doesn't work out like last season and we crash out of the group stage. But for the long term, that's all part of the growing process. As long as we get back in it, the season after, get up, go again. You know, do you, do, you think, do you think the fan base is willing to accept that there will be those potentially huge fluctuations in, in success in Europe?
1: Um, yeah, I, th- I think the fan base will have to accept it. I think we've seen, well, we've definitely seen fluctuations in form this season, and you know, we've seen Farhad mashiri in particular stand firm when the pressure looked like it was perhaps maybe getting a little bit too much for silver a few a few months ago and he's been now rewarded with that with silver coming out and saying what he said like i i've said on this podcast a few weeks ago i didn't particularly want everton to be in europe but i'm very pleased that silver has come out and said what he said because you know silver's said there uh preno said there sorry that silver you know he would say that but he didn't have to say that he he could he could have dodged the question quite easily because I said look we're just trying to finish as high as we can in the table blah 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 he didn't need to mention Europe at all but he, in doing that he showed a massive amount of faith in the players that he's got already here and with how well he's going to recruit in the summer and then progress Everton uh, for next season he's not worried he's not concerned about you know last, last season being in the Europa League so early I think killed us like Pre- Prepare him for those games against Rosombrach and hadjuk Split uh, before the season had even started. You know, it's, it's, it, it ruined it ruins the the first half of the season, and then you know you've got performances like the one away to Atalanta in in particular, and that's just completely demoralising and it ruined it ruined the whole season. I think so. It's good that Silver is already preparing for this, like, even even if it doesn't come off, even if. You know, even if Everton do finish seventh, we might not get there. Course, if, yeah. if if Watford uh, do the impossible and beat Man City in the FA Cup final, but you know, I think it's good that Silver has this ambition because this is what you want from your Everton manager. At the end of the day, you want him to have this sort of ambition. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't want to just sit on his laurels, be pragmatic, and say, "Oh, we could do without it," and you know, let's just see where we can finish in the league this season, uh, next season. Well no, every every Everton fan wants Everton to be at least going on a cup run for every single trophy, if not getting to finals and winning every single trophy the the, the club's involved in. So it it's really good to
2: finally have an Everton manager on board who thinks, yeah, that that is that is where the club should be. It's about, it's about ambition, isn't it? You know mm-hmm. what you said there, Phil, about uh, you know Sam Allardyce saying that you know quite realistically you, you could argue, if you're trying to be positive, that the club you know was in a position to handle that. That kind of mindset, if you're saying that, you know, sort of media will fo- will filter down, and other areas of the club will be thinking the same way, and they'll be thinking, well, you know, we possibly don't need to win this game, or we can we can take our foot off the pedal a little bit in this training session because that game doesn't mean as much. Um, It's just wrong, you know. So you've got to be absolutely switched on, you know. So in every single game nowadays, you've got to be as ambitious as possible. Uh, I think Marco Silva is finding it out this season. You know, um, his his team selection earlier in the season, you know, in, in the Carabao Cup you know, raised a few eyebrows and, you know, he got his fingers burned. The FA Cup was quite the opposite. We're not in the FA Cup, not because the team selection was wrong, but because couldn't defend set pieces. <laughs> uh, but I think he's, you know, he, he's learning, you know, sort of about the the ambition that should exist at a football club like Everton. And that has to be, that we should be targeting every single trophy out there.
0: Could the current squad have fared better than the previous one in Europa League football? The squad, the squad that we have right now that was compiled in the summer, would that have fared better than the 17-18 squad under Cooman that had the worst, the quickest exit of any English club Oof. in the Europa League.
2: Um, in terms of quality, yes, it's a better squad. It's more balanced. It seems to have a little bit more, uh, you know, quality about it. But depth-wise, no, it's not got the depth, you know, sort of handle a, a squad in Europe. And I think if Everton do qualify for Europe, they'll be aware of that and they'll know they've got to bring in, you know, bodies in a number of positions. But isn't mm. the,
0: and and this, this is one of the issues, though, isn't it? On the counter side, so everything that we've said about Europe and being in, ambitious and being in there, we're trying to reduce the size of our squad. Yeah. Mm. You know, Marcel Brands will be tasked with offloading players again in the summer, reducing a wage bill. But if we're in Europe, and you rightly say, Preno, we need the bodies.
2: Yeah. So It's a type of body though, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's like experienced players who are on big sums of money. Oh, yeah. You know, Yannick Balassi Ashley Williams, uh, you know, Kuka Muralis. Martina, Maranas, you know, players like that. The players that you do want are the the younger elements of those players like Nikola Vlasic's you know Henry on Yukudo know have not got a work permit yet but you know so players like that that you know so sort of offer potential and offer development possibilities going forward they're the players that you know you want around that you can rotate you can bring in and out and I suspect we probably wouldn't be seeing as many players sent out on loan next season if Everton are in the Europa League uh, it, it's a big if obviously which is why we're not hearing too much about you know sort of pertinent transfer plans just yet yeah. uh, you know so sort of still Lots of things to be finalised, uh, but yeah, it's exciting. You know, so if Everton do get into the Europa League, you know, it just creates such a knock-on effect about you know a sort of number of other parts of the club uh, that need to be addressed. It's, it's an exciting possibility.
0: It's a very difficult one though f- f- for any manager, and potentially, of course, we'll wait and see for Silva because if Prentice says, look, you know, maybe use <clears> the younger <throat> element of your squad, but say we were in Europe and we travelled to I don't know Belarus for a group game and. Thousands of fans had spent loads of money going over, backing the team, and Marco picks a team full of kids, and we get turned over mm. against you know a, a wily, seasoned, you know, streetwise team that have been in the Europa League a few times. That creates issues, doesn't it? And that's mm. that's that's pressure and and and, and um, ill feeling, if you like. That no manager needs mm. yet. It's it's striking that balance, which is the issue for me.
1: It it is all about striking the balance, and I think. Perhaps the example of Arsenal this week is is the big one. Like I, I get the feeling that Unai Emery might have rested a few players against Everton to try and then beat Napoli in midweek. You know, he struck that balance. You know, they
0: interesting the, prioritizing the y- other way, which is ex- exactly yeah.
1: prioritizing the Europa League rather than rather than the Premier League in the current position that they're in.
0: Uh, a bold move because they're in contention for the Champions League, though.
1: But winning the Europa League gets you a Champions League place and a trophy. Mm. I think if I was in that position, I'd want to, I'd want to pre- uh, prioritize actually winning a trophy. And I think going back to your point about whether this squad could cope with the Europa League, I think it all depends on circumstance. If it was this squad at the start of the season, then no, because Andre Gomez wasn't fit, Yeri Mina wasn't fit, Bernard wasn't fit, uh, Kurt Zuma hadn't really had the preseason. You know there was. A lot, a lot, Can't a lot of. Wasn't
0: the player he is now. Yeah. Exactly
1: with the with the squad in the position that it currently stands, I think yes, because it, it, the the reason you have a big squad is not so that you can ch- completely change your team like in the in the space of a few days. It's just so that you've got quality bodies in there if there is the case that somebody just. Desperately needs a rest, or somebody's injured. I'd like, I'd like to think that this squad now could play Thursday, Sunday, essentially every week. You know, years, years and years gone by. Previous Everton squads, you know, there was no, there was no you know, rest and players for different sort of competitions. You know, you just you go out and pick your best eleven to try and win every game. And I think that's got to be the priority for Everton moving forward. And I think that might be another reason why we're. Targeting these sort of younger, more energized sort of players who can—I you know, wouldn't doubt that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the way he's playing at the minute, could play every four days, and, and, and he'd be absolutely fine. I think, it's, I think he'd sleep for the rest of the week. Wouldn't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a
2: great shot that some players do have, you know, sort better records in terms of you know consistency, fitness-wise. Just that's that's why we got away with you know sort of Romelu Lukaku you know sort of being Emerson centre forward for so long Mm. because he was never ever injured, Mm. Uh, he was always available and he could play in Europa League and the following Sunday which he did regularly. Uh, You know that needs to be looked at when you're scouting players as well as their quality, their fitness record and their ability to you know avoid injury. Well, I mean I can't remember it ever being
1: an issue when we were regularly in Europe under David Moyes. I can't remember it really like apart from the odd games where he. You no, know, literally, did play all the kids because we were already through a group. But, a yeah, yeah, but I, I can't. I can't remember there being any sort of like issues or conversations going. Oh, he's rested loads of players for this Premier League game, yeah. or he's rested loads of players for this uh, UEFA Cup game. Like every, I, I, I think he just
2: played the best eleven. He did, every, yeah. Every, it, every time. It, it didn't suffer that many injury crises. I remember Tony Hibbers having to play centre-half in, once. In, in Greece. In Greece. Yeah. And uh, Benfica, I remember that particularly well because oh, I was yeah. ill myself over there with flu. <laughs>
0: Shame he made his debut. <laughs> but it's yeah. made
2: his debut at left back against Angel Di Maria. Good luck with that one. Marco, um, did I mentioned that to
0: Marco the other day? Actually, he hadn't, he hadn't realised. I think he may have watched that game and then yeah. forgotten. That it said that was Coleman's debut. It was, it
2: was God, yeah. Crikey, but yeah. I remember speaking to David Moyes at the, uh, at the, the carousel, picking up the baggage uh, on the way out there and he was really, really angry as uh, Joseph Yobo's demeanour in the build-up to that, you know, so he felt that he could have played in that game, and it wouldn't push himself through the pain barrier, he had some kind of head problem, had a bang on the head, and you know, it, it Soured his relationship a little bit with that player. Wouldn't get
1: cooped through but, uh, concussion protocols these days. No, you it? wouldn't. But, you know, was
2: that that was what he expected that of his players, you know, to actually push yourself, you know, so as hard as you possibly could. He was a very demanding manager and uh, he didn't think that the player had pushed himself as far as he could do in that instance. But it, it it just underlines the fact it didn't happen very often. That You know, so the players that he scouted and he picked for Everton tended to have, you know, so good Good injury records. I mean Joni and Lescott, there was a lot and a lot of um you know, so sort of eyebrows raised by Everson bringing him in because he'd missed an entire season with Wolves uh, with a knee injury. And I think Everson were a little bit, you know, concerned. They actually pushed the boats out, you know, with that one more than they would have done normally. Anyway, they were rewarded because course, you know his record, yeah. you know, his consistency after that was excellence. But yeah, it it needs to be something that the, is taken into account when you're buying players. And you know, so clearly that would be the case uh, you would imagine at the moment now with Marcel Brands and Marco Silva.
0: So just before we leave the European debate, what about us trying to assign players? How much of a um appeal and a factor is is there you know how much of a difference does it make between us being able to offer a transfer target Europa League football, albeit in the qualification stages, and not being able to
1: attract I, I don't think it matters at all. Like the cynic the cynic in me is convinced that money is the only thing that really matters these days in football, especially when players are trying to join a Premier League side they know all the money's in the Premier League you know it's richest division in the world sort of thing So
0: you're saying the the priority list would go Champions League Premier League money Europa League almost in terms of what's what's important to a player
1: I I genuinely think yes and I think if we didn't if we weren't to get into Europe this season I don't think it would significantly hamper us in trying to sign targets ahead of next season I think Last summer proved that perfectly. Absolutely. You know, we signed signed some absolutely quality players there without being able to promise them immediate European football. Like we've we've sold them essentially the project that we've got li- lined up, and I think that could absolutely be the case again. You know, it, it makes it might make Marcel Brands' job a tiny bit more difficult in in terms of scouting certain players, but I think Brands Brand is absolutely prepared for either scenario, and I think. It, it it shouldn't really matter if we don't get into Europe or not.
0: Probably would it matter to you
2: if we didn't get into Europe? In no, of, in terms of you, if, if Everton approached, if you I was as a player, player looking to sign for Everton Football they said, Club,
0: right? Well, for you X amount of wages, five-year deal, <coughs> we'll sell you the project. You know, yeah. you know, you know, blah blah blah. We can't offer you any European football, I'm afraid. Are you going? Sorry, see you later.
2: No, I think Adam spots on there. It makes absolutely not one iota of difference to the modern footballer. Because of what we articulated earlier about the Champions League and the Europa League and the, di- the differences between the two, uh, UEFA have got this split now whereby the Champions League is the absolute stellar competition, and the Europa League is very much the second division, as advertised by the uh, the financial rewards on offer for each competition. You get money for you know progress in the Europa League, but it's absolutely dwarfed compared to the money that you get in the Champions League. So, no, I don't think players would shrug the shoulders at all. You know, so at of that situation. Uh, it's as Adam says. It's about Champions League. It's about Premier League. It's about you know the the club themselves. It's about the salary you're offered. As we unfortunately discovered with Olivier Giroud, it's geography sometimes as well. <laughs> you know if, if you've got the opportunity to you know to live in London area. And your other half. Exactly. Yeah, that seems to make more of a difference than living in the beautiful Northwest. Um, so no, I don't think Europa League qualification but help us sign any players.
0: OK, uh, moving on to the third and final part of today's podcast. Uh, for long spells of the season, Marco Silva was absolutely consistent in only saying his target for the season was to do better than the previous 12 months. He left it open into interpretation. Obviously, now he has sort of relaxed that and he has said that seventh place and therefore European football is the target. But in terms of what's on the table, Marco and Everton could be bettering last term with a victory uh, at Fulham tomorrow that would take us level on points Adam for last season, mm-hmm. or he scored more goals, mm-hmm. and current ratio will end the season having conceded less. Mm-hmm. Um, in all, in, in every department,
1: has it been a better season than last? Yeah, and I think it goes back to, it goes back to something that Gav, who's not here today, has said a lot of times on this podcast. Like he only wanted at the end of this season to see progression, and I think Everton on the pitch, in particular, have progressed massively in the last few weeks have only gone to show that and, you know, obviously there was that dip in form over the winter a lot of different factors have gone into that but I think the way Marco Silva has managed to turn the club around since then has been admirable really and going into the, like, especially that Arsenal game like played a team who you rightly said before a challenge and for a Champions League place played them off the pitch he didn't have a chance like, he had one half chance when Ramsey skied one over the bar that was essentially the best that it got for them. And, you know, it's been so long that you could sit there as an Everton fan and say, wow, we absolutely battered that top four team there. And Everton absolutely did. And 1-0 just didn't justify uh, how well Everton dominated that game at all. And I think that that does, like, you compare that with some of the performances that we were putting in towards the end of last season. You know, we were getting wins, like the one that always sticks out to me is the away game against Huddersfield, you know it was a 2-0 win, it was it was a fine, three points but remember Allardyce coming into the press room after that, beaming with a big smile and he was like, oh I don't know why the fans were booing me, because <laughs> <laughs> we had two chances and we scored them, mm-hmm. like that that was, that was essentially it, you know it was a relegation threatened Huddersfield team who very nearly did it, did us in the second half, you know, they were putting on all the pressure second half, it took a 25 yards from Guy to put us <laughs> two 0 up, you know it was just it was just tergid, It was just dire. You know you saw all the stats. You know it was were we were 19th or 20th in Curation terms of chances time, and all time, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, it's it's an absolute <laughs> disgrace when you when you think back at it as an Everton fan. So to see that bigger progression in such a short period of time, I think Silver does deserve a lot of credit. And I'm not saying that this season has been good in any way, shape or form. I still think this has been, in general, a disappointing campaign because of, obviously, what happened over December, January, February. You know, those kind of results just can't be ignored at the end of the day, especially eg- exiting the FA Cup mm. to Millwall and, you know, exiting the League Cup in such disappointing circumstances as well. You know, there's there are going to be things that hang over this season as disappointments, but I think in terms of progression on the pitch, it is much much better to see it's much better to watch Goodison's a much better place to actually sit in and you know experience a football game in now so yeah it's a good building block for next season absolutely and to to hopefully be able to better last season in terms of points in
2: hopefully the next two games Mm. that'll be be really big I I often think back to the uh the quotes that Jurgen Klopp came out with after the uh, the devastation of that, you know, so sort of Anfield Derby defeat. And okay, it's easy to be magnanimous, you know, so when you've, you know, won a game in such fashion. But the way he spoke about Everson and the job Marco Silva was doing, you know, at Goodison Park really did resonate. Uh, Top of my head, I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically, he was just absolutely blown away with the progress that had been made in such a short period of time in all areas of the pitch. And he was having a little dig at Sam Allardyce as well, who'd been to Anfield and got a result, you know, playing fairly, you know, turgid, one dimensional, you know, sort of dull football. And, you know, Everson going to Anfield and being as progressive as they were, you could argue. Um, Allowed Liverpool, that little chink of light right at the end of the game, to steal the game. But equally, if Everton are ever going to go to Anfield and win a match, they'll win it playing the kind of football that Marco Silva is serving up rather than what Sam Allardyce was serving up. So that resonated. And yeah, we had the dip for two or three months after that. But we're getting back again now uh, to that style and that quality of football. I remember uh, what you said last week, Adam, about uh, every Everton manager has that one you know statement performance against Arsenal and you know Wayne Rooney had it with the the Wayne Rooney uh, winner Ronald Koeman had it with the last minute Ashley Williams header Roberto Martinez had it with the 3-0 romp that you know we thought was going to get Everton into the Champions League and you could argue that this was Marco Silva's statement performance because it was against a good side they were on a decent run of form who needed to win and Everton didn't just win they blew them away, you know, So and the, the plaudits they got from Emerson fans, not from the national media who put it down to Arsenal having an off day, um, were fully deserved. So that all points that this is a you know a progressive project that's going in the right direction. You know, football it's a results business, of course it is, but it's also an entertainment. You go there for a release. You know, you go there for to be entertained. And Emerson fans currently are being. They're seeing the kind of football that they want to see from an Emerson team, and Marco Silva's delivering that. Consistency is the next uh, you know sort of issue. He's got to try and you know sort of get that level of football and that quality of performance on a regular basis, and he's doing it at the moment. But he's got to keep doing it at the end of the season. But it's going in the right direction.
0: Indeed. Um, Excellent stuff, chaps. Uh, So the customary predictions. um, Adam, Fulham Football Club versus Everton. Saturday, three o'clock, Craven Cottage. What will the score be? If Everton
1: put in the kind of performance that they did against Arsenal in terms of creating chances, but actually put them away this time, Mm -hmm. then I think Fulham could really be in for a long afternoon. So... I'm going to go big and say a 4-0 win forever. <laughs> I
0: could be up there with
2: the biggest predictions in terms big. of
0: goal difference we've ever had, know
2: yeah. yeah, I was going to go five. Um, <laughs> Got to
1: one-up me, haven't you? <laughs> no, to be honest, it,
2: it, it, should, it should be. Wounded it could, animal, though? Uh, it you? should be, it could be, but we just haven't been ruthless enough or clinical enough, uh, even during this really good run of performances, to achieve that kind of result it should have been 4 or 5 at West Ham and and it wasn't Uh, it could have been 2 or 3 at Arsenal and it wasn't and did you see the uh, not that I even pretend to understand those expected goal statistics (laughs) but you know Sunday night against Arsenal expected goals Everton were like 2.5 or something Arsenal were 0.2 you know so Everton should have absolutely buried them and I think I can see something similar again at Fulham you know I think the attitude will be fine I think the uh, preparation will be fine we'll go out there and dominate but yeah Fulham will be wounded Okay, they've gone down, but they've got a point to make in front of their supporters. I think Emerson will win two nil. I think yeah. it, it should be more. We'll probably see a few missed chances. Two nil, and dare I predict another Bernard goal? Ooh. Yeah, go on, Bernard will score. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. Excellent. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think it'll be two nil. I think you know. I, th- I think I think we're right in that. You sense that somebody should be getting a hiding off us, mm-hmm. but perhaps we're uh, typical uh, of our lot. We can't quite. Take our, ourselves that far, apart from Adam, of course. is pretty four 0 So anyway, let's hope it's it is. Yeah, let's hope it is four 4-0 and uh, we come away with another three points. Michael Silva, hopefully taking Everton to match last season's tally forty nine, and then moving on to bettering that performance and that tally. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You remember, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and the ACast app. So please do, to, please do all comments and subscriptions. Most welcome. You have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.